0: This is channel 253. In this episode of Nerd Farmer.
1: I like every single election year I tell, I tell white folks, I'm like, you do not get to tell black and indigenous people that we have to vote. There's not a call that you get to make. Um, Like, especially considering the fact that like you or like your parents can go and sit down with pretty much any politician in this state, like you do not get to tell us what yeah. you know, that we have to vote for these people whose policies are putting our lives at risk.
0: Channel 253 is supported by Microsoft. Microsoft is committed to civic conversations like those on Channel 253 that inform and empower Washington communities. To learn more, visit aka.ms slash Microsoft in Washington.
2: This is the Nerd Farmer podcast. National conversation through a local lens. Welcome to the Nerd Farmer Podcast. My name is Nates and I'm your host, a Tacoman abroad. Uh, this is a special episode of the show. This is somewhere around the fifth anniversary of this dumb podcast that we have. Uh, about five years ago, Doug and I started recording these shows thanks to Marguerite. And uh, Marguerite, if you're listening to this, know that I appreciate you. And thanks for uh, what you did in getting us started. And thanks for being a co-owner of the network with us. And speaking of Marguerite, I actually want to bring one of our Portland homegirls in the conversation. And so, Tori, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm super, I'm super excited just right. something so, I've wanted to do for a while. Don't
2: yeah, no me. one. <laughs> I've wanted to have you on the show forever and a weekend, and it just kind of it, it didn't happen. Mainly my fault because I'm an asshole, but like I'm glad <laughs> for this conversation. And, and, and So true story, I was talking to my mother today, and I was talking about the topic we were going to talk about, and she was like, I want you to send me that show so I can listen. And I was like, don't worry, Mom. I'll send it to you, and I'll make sure I don't swear, and I've already messed that up too, so oh well.
1: Oh, um, Sorry, Mom.
2: <laughs> uh. Tori, for folks who don't follow you online and uh, for, you know, Doug's benefit too, uh, give us a little bit of your story. Cause I think you're a very fascinating thinker right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I uh, was born and raised here in Portland, Oregon. And um, I grew up in like a really conservative religious family. Um, like, like, but there, it was very like, um, like white evangelical conservative. And, um, so that was, you know, it, it's, it's evolved obviously over the years when I was a kid, there was a little bit more flexibility, um, in terms of like how that went politically, but it, you know, I was like watching anti-abortion propaganda films, like as a small child, um, And, you know, my, my mom was like organizing anti abortion protests and like, I, you know, was going door to door, like, like campaigning for, uh, local politicians who were conservative friends of my mom's. (laughs) Um, so we had like, it was just this very kind of bizarre dynamic and, um, so that's, you know, that's how I was raised. And I really, you know, as I got older, I started going, okay, like I need, I listen to people like argue these positions, right? I have to be able to have data or something. I can't just be out here like running my mouth on Twitter because I'm getting schooled every day. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that there were there were several things that were really kind of that really kind of changed my, I guess, political trajectory. Um, uh, the first one, the like the first kind of really big one, I think, was the Sandy Hook shooting and looking at data on on gun violence. And Wait, so
2: it's that recent for you? It's it's Sandy Hook. Yeah, for you. yeah, oh, interesting. Interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which was ten years ago. Yeah. Um, this year i believe so yeah yeah it's it's been that was really when i was like okay like i need to this doesn't add up to me right like yeah. these these lines that i'm being told by by these really conservative folks um like more guns less crime um i, I was just like okay i need you know i'm not i'm not just going to be saying this like i need to i need evidence of this and i just like i couldn't find it like yeah. like the the proliferation of guns that they were talking about was not that it's not it doesn't make this country less violent and um yeah so that was that was like a really really that was a really big one and then you know I was still in these like religious spaces but um that kind of started to change after uh, Michael Brown was murdered in the Ferguson uprisings and realizing that like the people that I was in church with, like, didn't care if I lived or died and like just their complete disdain for black people and, and just this like rampant anti-blackness, um, they were, you know, they weren't even a little bit ashamed of it. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm clearly not wanted in this space. Um, yeah. So that was, it was like, you know, and those two things were two and a half years apart, I guess almost three years apart. And, um, well, yeah. if,
2: if I if I may, when when I think about you, I think of you as somebody who is basically like your, your your brand, for lack of a better term, is is that like you are ex-evangelical, uh-huh. ex-conservative, and mm-hmm. then you're somebody who talks real-ish to white America about like racial resentment that they have internalized and like how they should walk the walk better, and that's kind of like your 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 brand that I see. Hopefully, yeah. that's okay. You like yeah. the description. okay, good. good. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's not so. In many ways, it's an overlapping Venn diagram with a lot of my experience, and so mm. like. I don't talk about this a lot, but, like, I was a young Republican. But, mm-hmm. like, for me, it was a little bit different. Like, I got really, really into, like, studying and researching and looking at politics in the 1990s. And I was, frankly, repulsed by Bill Clinton's, like, centrism and by Bill mm-hmm. Clinton's triangulation and by Bill Clinton's, like, some of the things that he had, He like, I did not. Basically, Clinton was in passing these policies that, like, I did not agree with as, young, as a young person. But if we transport ourselves back to the 1990s, there wasn't really a credible left alternative in American politics. And so because I despised like centrism and triangulation, instead of going for like a credible left opportunity, like I went right. And so like I was Mm. a college Republican. I was vice president of my college Republican chapter. Uh, When I was in the Air Force, I said very reprehensible things about people. Uh, a, Mm. A lot of Groups, frankly. Uh, And somewhere between 9-11 and the start of the Iraq war, like for you, it was Sandy Hook. For me, it was like that catalyzing event. I was like, this don't add up, right? Like this don't add up. And one of the reasons why I want to have this conversation, and and for the record, folks, like the conversation I want to have is about black conservatism, uh, is that I'm seeing that moment repeat itself kind of a generation later. We have a centrist politician in the White House who's a Democrat, who basically is disappointing and frustrating a lot of Black folks uh, in the community who are turning against, frankly, uh, this politician and his presidency. And I, I, I want to talk to the audience of this show about the reality that I'm seeing happen in the Black community. Uh, and it, the thing is, it's not like the BS like Candace Owens like. Lexit thing that they were trying to do in the 2020 election. like that wasn't real. right. But what I'll say is that black Americans, in particular black women are the most consistent Democratic voters and the Democratic Party cannot afford to lose black voters. Um, uh, and if black voters don't show up as part of the coalition, like it's a, it's a wrap for the democratic party. And so I, I kind of want to talk through this with somebody who, who shares my worldview and kind of walk my path and my experience. And so, um, uh, yeah, that's, that's a conversation. So let me ask you this. Uh, I'm saying that I'm perceiving a souring on the democratic party from black folks. Uh, do you, are you seeing the same thing?
1: Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's no there's no doubt, and it you know to to some extent it makes a lot of sense to me, right? Like, yeah. as you said, it, without black voters, the Democratic Party doesn't exist. Like, has no no opportunity, and um, you know, black women especially keep showing up for the Dems, and they you know as soon as as soon as they're in office, they start partying and like nothing gets done essentially like that's my perception of it right <laughs> is that there's a lot of like cheering and sort of carrying on about like oh we won and there's no long-term strategy and like for me from my perspective but like which is weird but you know I'm like the 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 things that the Republicans are executing on now have been like that's been the plan for 50 years like for five decades this has been what they have been trying to accomplish
0: yeah. and I'm
1: like What's, like, what's the Democrats' 50-year plan? Like, what's even, like, the general left's, like, 50-year plan? Like, they don't have one. Um, So I think that, you know, when you continue, like, counting on people to sort of save your ass and then do nothing for them, or anyone else, frankly, like, they're just not doing anything. Um, Yeah, I mean, I get that people would feel bitter, right? It's like, I put my, like, I put myself out there for you. And, and it's like, we can, we're seeing it in real time. Like the number of, um, black women who voted for Trump in 2020, the number of black women who voted for conservative politicians, like those numbers are going up.
2: Yeah.
1: Like very consistently. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's like when you're not giving people choices, like, I don't, I don't agree. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not gonna go like, oh, okay, well, I guess like since since Republicans are getting something done, like I'll just we'll just jump on that wagon. Like I, you know, that doesn't make any sense in terms of like my kind of moral and ethical calculus. Um, but I definitely understand that they're, you know, it's just like we've been we've been showing up for y'all and you have been doing nothing for us. Um and, yeah, like people, it, are, people are going to be bitter about that.
2: It, it reminds me of the worst day I ever had on the Internet. So, like, <laughs> the worst day I ever had on the Internet was, like, I want to say late 2019 or early 2020. And uh, I posted a Twitter thread about the ADOS movement. And so the ADOS movement is, I have to get this right this time now, uh, American Descendants of Slavery. And so, essentially, it is a movement online that is black Americans who are basically identifying themselves as a separate ethnic group from other black Americans. So like they separate themselves away from uh, like African immigrants and they basically censor their blackness on being descendants of slaves. And what happened when in the conversation I was engaging in is that like, members of their movement whether knowingly or not were being co-opted basically by bad actors and like in these conversations there were russian trolls and i pointed that out and like oh oh, oh, boy oh boy like don't be the guy married to a white lady who comes for ados um like that was a very bad day for me on the internet and like but the funny thing is i uh, fairly recently i went back and looked at a lot of that exchange and a whole bunch of the accounts have been deleted. And so were they deleted for terms of service abuse or were they deleted because they actually were like in that fascist purge or bots? Like, I don't need this to be like poor me, Nate got bullied on the internet day. But I, I guess my point is that one of the things I wonder about is, is to what extent is this rise of black conservatism that we're seeing a actual like manifesting or is, is, or is or Nate and Tory online too much, right? And so, <laughs> and which is a distinct possibility. And so one thing I think that might be useful is, is for us to do kind of a taxonomy on black conservatism and kind of walk through the various brands of conservatives that are out there, right? Because, like, it's not all everybody trying to be Alan Keyes, thank God. Uh, by the way, are you old enough to remember Alan Keyes?
1: Yeah, hell yeah. Okay, Alan okay, Keys.
2: Okay. yeah, Alan Keyes. Yeah, Alan Keyes. Anyway, so, like, when we say black conservative, we're not talking about Alan Keyes or Clarence Thomas. That's a very particular type of conservative that, like, that's not – what we're talking about right now. We're talking about people right. who essentially have oftentimes been in the black community, but like, or, sorry, have always been in the black community, but uh, ha- whole conservative views. And I've consistently voted for Democrats who are no longer voting for Democrats. They don't feel like they're being served. And mm-hmm. so l- let me just toss one out to you. And then like, we can kind of ping pong a little bit on this taxonomy. Uh, one form of black conservative who like is near and dear to my heart is a uh, church lady wearing a hat right like yeah. that's mom right yeah. so so my my mom i appreciate that she has been on a journey with a lot of issues uh like my mom's a military veteran she's a very patriotic person she loves the united states uh at some point in the 1990s mom had some views about homosexuality and same sex marriage she's evolved on but like because of the religiosity of the older generation of Black folks, there's a conservative element in the community who mm. could be swayed into voting for Republicans if, like, things are not being delivered to them. And so that's like one of the uh, one of the ideologies in the taxonomy of conservatism. Uh, you talked about your experience being a Black evangelical. Uh, that's not something that I had like kind of room or schema for in my head growing up. I, I grew mm. up in a mainly Black Baptist church. Yeah. Uh, tell me a bit about your experience as a black evangelical and and your, and your interactions with other black evangelicals, like how does that form of conservatism work and operate in the community?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I mean, like I said, I like being in Portland, um, there are not enough black people here not saying anybody needs to show up because, you know, (laughs) it's fine. If you don't want to be here, I respect that also. Um, But yeah, so there were, you know, there were very kind of, you're sort of few and far between. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it it was like, evangelicalism is really, it's both a political identity and a religious identity, right? And so um, you really have to be, you know, you have to be willing to like, kind of take a stand on a lot of these issues and I think that um one of the things that that a lot of white folks don't get is like black folks like older black folks especially like on the whole are more conservative Mm -hmm. than white America like and I think that I think that people don't really people don't really understand that right like like black black Americans are much more likely to attend church every week Mm -hmm. than white Americans. Right. Um, and
2: well, and if I may, by the way, so we're saying conservative in this case, it's small C conservative. This is not like, Oh, black folks run around quote quote, quote, Rush Limbaugh. It's that like black folks actually live a conservative lifestyle and and embody conservative values that actual conservatives don't embody. And that's the funny Uh thing to me is that like, there's a lot of folks that call themselves conservatives that are actually like reactionary nationalists. There's nothing conservative about them. Right. There's nothing conservative about wearing a gun on your waist and walking around, like trying to start fights and talk shit. Like that's not conservatism. So sorry. Right. I just had to make the introduction.
1: No, no, okay. no. I'm glad that I'm glad that you articulated that. Cause I think that that is really, really important. Um, Yeah. That there it's like, it's like your, it's the way you live your life. And I think, yeah. you know, there's a part of, there's a part of this that like, I, I really, I really respect. It's like, we've been asking y'all to leave us the hell alone. (laughs) Like we, we can handle our own shit. And like, that, that's not good enough for you. You still have to have your hands in everything that we're doing. And like, you still have to be taking everything that's not nailed down from us. Right. And like, um, I think that like that part of that part of like small C black conservatism of like, we can handle our own stuff. Like just leave us alone. Um, I totally respect that, and that's been that's been a debate in this country for you know at least a hundred years that I'm aware of in, in in like in black communities and black spaces, um, of like how do we how do we make this work in this white supremacist framework, um, and you know there's I think that part of that can can look like this sort of you know patriotic, um, work hard keep your head down, sort of worldview I guess. Um and you know, again, like these things like make sense to me. The thing, the, the disconnect that I'm that I'm seeing right now is, you know, even though even though the Democrats are doing literally nothing for black folks. Wait, but they
2: right? literally nothing. Like literally, literally with a capital nothing. L.
1: Nothing. Yeah. Uh like why well, like um like despite that, like I, you know, when I'm I'm still I'm not I'm not like oh well the I guess I'm I guess I'm gonna like vote for Republicans that's not really like where my brain goes with that um it's like we have two right-wing parties in this country like what are you gonna do um one of them one of them allows people to be openly racist and like transphobic and passing all these gross discriminatory laws and the other isn't as into that so like to me that's not really a question um but I think that there is a little bit of like the appeal to like the sort of hard work, like America's a good country, or at least is trying. Right. And um, it's like, Hey, this is this, this kind of resonates with how I've been living my life, even though, you know, I haven't been voting this way. Um, And and I think that in turn, like there's, I see, I see a little bit of the resonance there. Like I don't, I don't, I, I, I still can't make the connection between like, these are my personal values as an individual. And so since one party is not doing anything for me, I'm going to go to people who like very clearly and explicitly are willing to communicate like their complete disdain for me yeah. because at least they're doing something like that's like, that's like fascism, right?
2: Right. And that's the thing is is oftentimes the arguments, at least they're doing something, but yeah, what they're doing is terrible. Right. And so, okay. So a couple of things you said, I want, I want to tug at is like, one, I feel like you vindicated me. So back in the nineties, when I was like, I'll be a conservative, I, for the record, it was like Bob Dole, who was not Donald Trump, but like, still, right. Oh boy. Let me have this. Just let me have this, please. Um, the other thing is, is you brought up another one of the like taxonomy, another one of the types of conservative, which is like respectability politics conservative, right? So there's always been this like try harder, be better, talented mm-hmm. tenth brand of conservatism that says basically like uh, honestly, I, I think that Clarence Thomas is a permutation of this mm-hmm. that like acknowledges that like America is absolutely racist at its core. And so the response to America being racist at its core is for black Americans to be the absolute best superhero Negroes at everything. And then like that leads them somehow into being conservatives because like they acknowledge America is racist to its core, but like they somehow can pull that R lever. Like I don't have my head around it, but it's another one of the types that are out there. Right. Right. And So like, so we've got like church lady in the crown conservative, we got evangelical conservative, we've got, um, respectability politics conservative. And it's funny cause the respectability politics conservative to me is like the ultimate uh, emblem of that is I'm gonna bring up a name that I don't like bringing up in conversations this is Bill Cosby. Like if you think about like Cosby's charity work in the black community and Cosby's like, you need to pull your pants up lectures and Cosby's like, entrepreneurial, like all that stuff, like that's another brand of conservatism that like nobody identifies as like, yeah, Bill Cosby is great. But like that brand of thinking has traffic in our community. And in particular in surprising places, like one of the most conservative spaces that I ever visit is a barbershop. And go ahead and make your jokes about me being bald and why I'm going to a barbershop. It's for a beard lineup for a wedding. Shut up. Right. But like within barbershops, that conservatism is a really strong strain and, and, and you hear it. And it's, it, for, for me, it's fascinating because, like, we are never going to respectability politics our way to legal and economic equality, right? Like, that just doesn't, it doesn't work. That's not how Truly. it works. Right. No, no,
1: there's the no other, way.
2: Yeah. What are some of the other brands that are out there for you? I, I got a couple more, but, like, what are, what are you noticing happening uh, in these streets as well?
1: Um, I mean, I think that like with, with like younger folks, millennials who are kind of like black millennials who are kind of gravitating that direction, um, like this, once again, this is like a leap that in my head just doesn't make any sense, but I do think that there's kind of like that leftover, you know, what, what we were raised with of like, you know, work hard, keep your head down, like, don't talk about race. The, you know that's how I think a lot of these folks were also raised um but you also kind of have like the internet now right and so it's like you're seeing these like younger sort of black conservative I don't know like influencers I guess yeah it's a grift man that's the thing it like, is. Like, there's
2: a whole wave of these just like it's a grift and, and part of me is kind of mad like I
1: I could have cashed in back in the day Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah,
2: like, yeah. Like, both of us have abandoned this, but like, like you know, Tori, you, you could have done, you could have made stacks being a conservative grifter. Like, oh, hundred like, percent. This is another permutation, like the huckster. Like, I like, there are some folks who are. It's so clear they don't stand for anything or understand what they're standing for, and like, it is just a way to cash that money. Because like, the one person who will never be broken in American society is the black person that tells white people that racism is made up. Yeah. Like that's a money printer for always, for always.
1: Yeah, truly. And I, I mean I, I appreciate you saying that they don't actually stand for anything, right? And they don't under they don't understand like the issues that they're talking about, really. But I think that like there is this there's this appeal to like white conservatives who don't want to be seen as racist. Yeah, right. To so be like, well, I listen to—I don't even want to name these people's names, like, but you know, or I watch their videos, or like, I, you know, I think that the, like the books they're writing or whatever they're doing is like really solid. Um, and I but I think that there's also an, there's also an appeal to like Black millennials to some, like, to yeah. a much smaller extent, right? Like, like I, I I would say like single digits in terms of like their overall reach, right? But they're it, like these people do exist and and you know it there's a piece of it where there's no there's no like analysis there's no framework and so you can just sort of get online run your mouth and it's like if you look like you're cool somebody's going to be into that right um and yeah I mean there's always there's always going to be room for for more (laughs) black conservatives who like make white people feel like they're the good guys and and black people are all just making it up
2: well it's funny because you said i don't want to name any names but like and then you mentioned like their books so there's not that many books so let's let's be that's real true.
1: Here. that's true That's true.
2: Like, have you actually cracked open the candace owens book no Mm-mm. sis
1: no <laughs> no it,
2: it is it is the most like incoherent a historical babble i've ever so i i i one of the things that I try to do in my classroom is introduce perspectives that like I may not agree with that we can have discourse about. And like, I was trying to pull up some of her writing and I was like, absolutely F not like this is, this is so I, if I'm going to introduce my students to conservative writing, it's going to be George will and not Candace Owens. Cause that stuff is freaking incoherent. Like it's absolutely incoherent and terrible. It really is. And I'm proud of you for not naming names, but I'm I'm a worse person. Like Candace Owens, if you come across this episode from now, like your writing is trash. All
1: right. <laughs> no, I, it, I mean, the thing is, like, she, there, there is no, um, there's no medium through which she can effectively, like, communicate her ideas, because it's just all whatever pops into her head in yeah. the moment, right? Um, and, like, you know, I, she's, she's got this whole thing about, about, like, uh, Black, like, Caribbean folks being, like, hard-working compared to, like, black Americans and, and black immigrants, I think in general, she's like, well, they do so well. Right. And, and she's like pulling up this very kind of, you know, it's cherry, cherry pig data when she bothers to show anything at all. Um, and it's like, see y'all just like, aren't trying. And you, you know, I, I'm, I'm always really, really struck by this because it's like, well, yeah, but immigrants in general, like, if you came here by choice, like you weren't like fleeing a war or something, Um, you know, immigrants in this country on average do better than like native born. That's a disgusting term. People like what you're saying is correct. It just sounds
2: terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, Totally. Um, And so, you know, I think that she is like out here saying, saying these things and it's like, okay, but, but, but. Like black immigrants to this country, they're still discriminated against for being black. Like they're paid less than like other immigrants. If you're looking at like the exact same fields, like they're still earning less. So, you know, I know that you're out here thinking that this is like, this vindicates you somehow that it's like, oh, these, like, these folks just aren't trying hard enough because clearly like we're capable of pulling it off in this country. It's like, that's not, if that's not, that's not the correct comparison. And, you know, when you are making the correct comparisons, like African immigrants to the U.S. are, horrifically discriminated against like this is this isn't news and i'm like again like she knows this like that is how she was raised and she's still out here like caping for white supremacy and i'm sure making a shit ton of money from doing <laughs> from doing that you know and i'm just like i just have like i have a modicum of of pride and so i couldn't fully go down that road although i might have i still am like i i need to be able to like prove what i'm saying um, or have like at least a consistent argument. And so, yeah, there was a little bit of that, of that pull for sure. Like in the like early social media days, like being that guy, like black, black, conservative online, like jumping in to save the whites.
2: <laughs> it's real. It's real. Oh, and, and so we're gonna take a break here before Doug freaks out. So we're taking a break. but But one thing I want to say is that there's an element of all of this. It's also self-hate. Like yep. some of the most strongest, most vociferous anti-black statements I've heard in my entire life have come from like self black conservatives because like, trying to explain why they're not like the rest of us. And like yep. that is a a, a a pathogen within the community that like has to be excised. And I just mm-hmm. want to put that on the table as well. But let's take a break here.
3: Hello, friends. This is Marguerite Martin, creator of MoveToTacoma.com and co-founder of Channel 253, It's bad out there folks. Home prices in Pierce County are up 15% year over year. While it's no secret that the market is hot, you may not know that Tacoma has been the hottest housing market in the country for several years. There is an extreme shortage of homes for buyers to buy. Having a local Tacoma buyer's agent that specializes in the neighborhood and price range you're after can mean the difference between losing or winning the bid on your dream home. If you're looking to sell your current home and find something that meets your needs better, having a neighborhood expert handle your listing will impact how much money you net off of your sale. The right agent to market and sell a home on the West Slope might not be the same person who has the expertise and connections to find you an income generating duplex somewhere else. All agents have specialties and I know the players for every niche. Best of all, it doesn't cost you anything. Great local agents are happy to pay me a finder's fee if you end up buying or selling. And you can rest easy knowing you're going to get a great agent who specializes in exactly what you're looking for. If you want to learn more, visit movetotacoma.com and use the contact form. Thanks for listening to Channel 253.
2: And we are back. I want to thank you for downloading the show today. The Nerd Farmer podcast is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. We tell stories and elevate points of view that you won't get elsewhere. Uh, we're based in Tacoma, have a heart in Tacoma and try to tell Tacoma stories. Uh, this is a conversation with Tory from Portland, but like this is an issue that's going to impact Tacoma's politics in the near future. Uh, the support of the black community for the Democratic Party has been taken for granted and like we're exploring how that happens and its impact on elections. Uh, you're not going to get a point of view like this in local media anywhere else. And so if you're listening to this and enjoying it, I want you to think about joining Channel 253 as a member. Your membership cost is only $4 a month or $40 a year. And it gives you access to our memberly Slack and also Doug's Off The Record podcast, which I might record one of tonight. If you dig into the Off The Record podcast archives, you'll hear some great conversations with show hosts having uh, kind of sharing issues and things that are impacting them. One episode I listened to fairly recently is with Annie Jansen, who is a former host of the Interchange White Ladies podcast, who left teaching and talked about why she left teaching and is now going to school to be an electrician. And so, like, Annie's story is pertinent, I think, for a lot of folks who care about education listening to the show. And so, if you enjoy what we do, again, channel253.com slash membership, it's $4 a month or $4 a year, and it's worth it. I pay it. You should, too. All right, Tori, let's get back to it. Up. We're kind of walking through the different types of conservative that are out there we're seeing popping up online. And so we talked about like the uh, black Christian church hat, my mother kind of person who's, who's conservative but a Democrat. We talked about uh, my experience being a Republican and stepping out of that. You're supposed to evangelicals. We talk about grifters, respectively respect politics. One of the ones that I'm concerned about that I see is black men in particular who are embracing the worst elements of Trumpism, like the misogyny of Trumpism. So like, to be, to, to be clear, I love my people. I am a black man. I love my people. There has always been an element of misogyny and for lack of a better word, machismo in the black community. And I see this a lot in hip hop culture and I've never sounded older than I sound right now, but I'm gonna I'm I'm stand by this take where Trumpism and Trump was actually like deified in hip hop back in the nineties. Like Trump would pop up in videos and like the name Trump was a, was a synonym for like being rich and having success. Some of that has had some rub and purchase in online discourse. And your face right now is cracking me up. Cause you're like, Nate, you're on thin ice right now. But like-
1: Oh no, I completely agree. Okay, so, I'm so, agreeing with everything that you're saying.
2: <laughs> rescue me before I get canceled, talking about black men some more. Go ahead, please. <laughs>
1: Uh, I mean, no, I, I think, like, this is, this is, uh, like, listen, misogyny is uh, older than white supremacy by <laughs> by many, many millennia, right? Okay, so, talk your talk
2: now. Talk your talk, yes. I
1: think that there's, you know, uh, like, that's, it's something that, you know, in, in my work and what I do, I'm constantly trying to get people to kind of recognize, like, okay, what is informing these sort of default takes and opinions and views that I have and um you know like broader culture I I, my focus is is very explicitly like on white supremacy and doing like some kind of critical like self-examination but also examining like the space that we live in right like the culture that that we occupy not pretending like that's some sort of like neutral or it's like it's not a vacuum that you get to like come to all of your own conclusions in right um and mm-hmm. I think that I think that masculinity it you know in the U.S. and and probably everywhere to the extent of my knowledge um yeah there's there's always been there's a you know this some 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 amount of right this this like patriarchal hierarchy like women need to be submissive or like at home. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's like, it's really hard to get away from sexism. I think like as, as a construct, it's pretty much impossible to get away from. So I'm not, I don't think that, I don't think that that's like in any way exclusive to the black community. It just like, it plays out among like certain black men in a very sort of specific way. Yeah. um and yeah, I think that there is like there is sort of that um, you know, and I like I absolutely like I love hip hop and R b and I'm not like again, like I'm not gonna throw anybody under the bus. um, but like at least in terms of of like that that worldview or that ideology or whatever it is that you want to call it, like, like there is an undercurrent of that um, kind of historically in in that space. And I'm really, really grateful that like all these like not all of them, but so many like younger, newer artists are like not going down that path. I really appreciate that. That there's a lot, there's a lot more respect. There's a lot more talk about like consent and um you know, but not in like a respectability politics kind of way. So I feel, I feel very grateful for that, but absolutely. Like there definitely is, there's definitely a piece of like the toxic masculinity in the black community, you know, just like any other community that like plays out in these really gross ways. And I think that, yeah, Trump is sort of like the icon (laughs) Yeah, he's like the he's
2: he's the the apex toxic masculinity, like right,
1: Asp- aspirational, so... <laughs> right? Yeah. It's Like, if you want to be a if you want to be a dude who's a dick and entitled to like, you know, any woman who happens to pass you on the street, like, yeah, Trump is Trump's your guy. That's who you're trying to emulate. From, from, yeah. you know, anyway.
2: So something I appreciate about you is that your Twitter bio basically talks about like how the killing of Michael Brown radicalized you. Mm-hmm. and this is one of the other like uh, other categories of conservative i think is interesting to explore and that's second amendment conservative so mm-hmm. because of the failing to reform law enforcement practices and because of the violence that is often perpetrated and allowed to exist in black communities there's a spike in gun ownership among black americans mm-hmm. and and actually i i want to make a point that like Black Americans, I think, have always had higher percentages than most people think they do of gun ownership. But now it's more vocal in public, right? Yeah. And so like, like the, you talked about how earlier on the typical typical black American is more likely to attend church than typical white American. Mm-hmm. The typical black Democrat is more likely to own a firearm or multiple, raise his hand, uh, mm-hmm. than the typical Democrat or progressive person. Mm-hmm. But something that I'm seeing happening is, is that the – political right is getting their hooks into young black men in particular, but also women over second amendment issues. And, Those hooks are basically greased by the failure to address law enforcement. And so essentially like black Americans feel like they cannot call the police to their homes. And so they want to own firearms in order to protect themselves. And then their owning and protecting the firearms basically evolves over time to be a form of conservatism that is like that is gun centric, if that makes sense. Am I imagining this as something I'm hypersensitive to or is something you're perceiving as well?
1: No, I, I definitely, I definitely see that. Um, and I think that there's like, there's some overlap with this like black conservative online influencer thing yeah. there. Right. You know, there's, there's definitely folks who are, who are kind of in that space online of like, you know, it's just, they make it look like a hobby, but these people are like really like incredibly conservative. Right. If mm-hmm. not, if not like downright extremists, um, and so yeah, I mean I think that it, like there's always been a part uh, to me like' I've, I've never I've never been aware of a time when that like there wasn't that where where guns were like off the table for black folks right like I'm sure that you're I'm sure that your grandparents like had similar experiences right but was like my my grandparents like, all carried or at least had guns like in the house. Cause yeah. you know, it was, it's the South in the forties. Like, what's you going to do? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, it's like, yeah, nobody's coming to save you. Right. Yeah, you like, can't no- call the
2: sheriff cause the sheriff is the clan.
1: Uh-huh. Right. Like nobody's, nobody's going to show up if you make that phone call. Um, and, and I think that there, so there's always been a little bit of that. Like we have to look out for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, I think that, there is, I think, you know, like, especially because of social media, there is definitely like this kind of, um, that's a really good place for conservatives to sort of like make these inroads with, with, with like, I would say, you know, black Gen Xers and millennials, um, at least. And, and saying, because that, that's like, that's the whole like talking point, right? It's like if you call if you call the police, you're waiting seven to eleven minutes or whatever stat they've made up, right? Um, and you might not have that much time if somebody's gonna, like trying to break into your home, and and you know they don't really talk about the fact that like armed home invasions are incredibly rare. Um, you know they don't talk about the fact that at least at least for white men um who are all going out and like buying these firearms dreaming that like black lives matter or antifa is going to like blow their door down and they're going to get to take out a bunch of people right they don't they're they're not talking about the fact that like they're increasing their own risks because they're all (laughs) they're all depressed and like afraid of losing power and um you know they're more likely to harm themselves and to ever like shoot an invader
2: well but, but you're, you're highlighting a thing and so like i have to live in my own discomfort with this for a second and the contradictions right that like so much of gun ownership in the united states is about paranoia right mm-hmm. so like essentially the right wingers want guns in case like they they have their stupid acronym, the end of the world as we know it like their 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 bug out situation and uh-huh. also they basically want to use stand-the-ground laws to shoot black people because they're scared of black people right right and then conversely black americans uh have firearms because like violent white americans and violent right violent rights white nope violent white right wingers there we go represent an existential threat to them and a, and a danger to them and they can't count on police to save them right mm-hmm. they, they, like, like the black community cannot count on police to show up at their house during a break-in and then to like not mistake them from the breaker inner robber and then mm-hmm. shoot them and mm-hmm. so there's this mutual paranoid fear of the other that is driving gun ownership. And mm-hmm. like, I'm not sure if people have looked at the stats recently, but like the number of firearms now is higher than the number of households in the United States. And the only society that rivals the United States in gun ownership right now is Yemen. And like, just, just, I'm gonna leave that right there. Just if, if, if you're looking at any data and you and Yemen are in the same spot, like you're doing it wrong. Uh, We talked earlier on about the electoral math on this. Like we know that black Americans basically vote like 88 to 12 uh, for the democratic party over the, over the Republican party. We know that for black women, the numbers are higher. It's like 94 to six. And like, I guess some folks vote for the green party and libertarians, but we're going to ignore them for right now. One of the things that I just want to say to the audience is, is if those numbers shift to 70, 30 or to 60, 40, then, like, it is a wrap for Democratic politicians at possibly the national level, but in a lot of these congressional districts that aren't gerrymandered, like these swing districts that, like, we look at, like, it's, it's a wrap, and it's a wrap in gubernatorial races. And so, Tori, I kind of turn to you now at this point. Like, talk a bit about what you do in your real life, like, in your not-social-media life, uh, and how that weighs into this conversation.
1: Mm, yeah um okay so I basically do um like anti-racism education um for you know all kinds of places like schools and universities and and nonprofits and churches and just you know kind of you know there's there's kind of a certain like couple of groups of of or places that like people are interested in because of Marguerite, like a lot of real estate agents. Um, and yeah, that is like, I really, I really enjoy it because I get to nerd out and I do this sort of framing of like, you know, before I did this, I worked in a neuroscience lab, um, with a lot of like several black neuroscientists. And so for me, like having access to like all of this data and like kind of cutting edge research. Um, and then, like I said, like being just a huge history nerd, I kind of triangulate around that. It's like your nervous system is having this response because we live in this like historical space, right? And, and growing up, we're taught that like these things are all sort of like in a vacuum right? Like every, every like event is sort of vacuum sealed, um, is how it's presented frequently. Um, and like, so we're not talking about the ways that, that policies kind of trickle out and influence things over time. Um, you know, we're, we're not, we're certainly not talking about police violence, right? Like you might get, you might get a mention of like Watts riots or Rodney King or something in like, in like a U.S. history textbook, maybe. Right, um, no, actually no <laughs> you, you
2: actually will not.
1: It's like, oh, hey, like, so this is the thing that happened, and then you know, you have basically it's like you find out that something happened and then you have to go and do like all of your own research on like why why was this a thing, right? Yeah. like why, why? so um, yeah, I mean, I really enjoy like what what I get to do, um, but also, I think that it gives me sort of this kind of interesting um lens on on black conservatives especially um because again it's like we're you know as humans we're always making we're always making decisions that we think are like <laughs> fully informed and like intelligent and like this is what a smart person would would decide to do. Um and like not really giving any any credence so it's like it's like, no, your your nervous system is like running the show here. And um mm. it takes a lot of kind of concerted effort to overcome that. So you know what and I again like I tell people this all the time, it's like what you're listening to matters, what you're watching matters, what you are reading matters, right? in ways that we're just not, we're just, we're just just not taught. Um, And I think that, yeah, because of, I think especially because of social media, there has been, um, there are now all these new ways for conservatives to communicate with black people, Mm -hmm. you know, without having to like interact with us face to face, (laughs) which is something they're not interested in doing. Right. (laughs) Um, So you know, I I, th- I definitely see like this is in terms of in terms of this being a trend, um, yeah, like I you know the numbers that you're talking about like probably seem rather inconceivable to a lot of a lot of like white like they're good not, white good white liberals white progressives, not, and they're not, they're not it that's not a reach at all. And I find that terrifying. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> like um. No, it's like, I, I think that like when you start, when you start saying those numbers, I think that really kind of puts people into a tailspin. They're like, oh my God, like what? No, that's not going to happen. It's like, you need to start talking, you need to stop talking about the things that are not going to happen and start like actually doing the work. Cause, um, yeah, like this is, yeah, it's not, it's not a reach. It just isn't.
2: I've already planted my flag in the ground. So like, I'm sick of American gerontocracy. Like, so I'm, I refuse going forward to vote for anybody who's eligible for Medicare. And so like, if Joe Biden is the nominee of the Democratic Party to become the still oldest president in American history in 2024, Washington state's a safe state. I'll, I'll write in, I'll, I'll vote for the, the Green Party or write in my mother or whatever, but uh, <laughs> If if Senator Patty Murray wants to run for another term, then like I, I love Patty Murray. Like I've uh-huh. had meetings with her, but like I just I'm like, so this is another version of like you can't count on my vote. Like I'm just over the gerontocracy. I'm over everybody in charge of the government being 85 years old. Like I'm just over mm-hmm. it, I'm over it, I'm over it. Um you 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 mentioned somebody in that last response that I actually kind of want you to talk to a little bit. Um so you and I are having this conversation. We're talking about a rise in Black conservatism. We kind of laid out some of the types of Black conservatives who are who we're seeing online and who exist kind of in our lives in the society. How should that good-intentioned white liberal who you mentioned earlier on? How should they engage and approach that issue? <laughs> Doug, sorry, Doug, Doug just told me your mom joke in the chat, and I'm so pissed off. Uh, so how should that well-intending <laughs> liberal approach this issue and be approaching these people because like I feel like the worst thing you can do is like roll up at somebody's mentions and like preach at them about how like they're wrong to support republicans. So like what should good-natured and good-intending like white liberals who are listening to this, what should they be doing?
1: Uh like you 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 should be organizing. Like what are you what are you talking about? Like so I think that there is like this there's this very um because of, because of the way that whiteness works, right. There is this, there's like this compulsion to police black folks, yeah. right. Like that is like whiteness. My friend, Andre Henry says this, but it's like whiteness sort of like deputizes people to like police us, regardless of who you are. Like that is like, that is like a birthright that comes with, with whiteness as you get to police black people. Um, so please don't do that. Like there are black folks who can collect black folks. You do not need to take that on. That is not your calling. It's not your gifts. Like go outside. Like raise some money. Talk to some white people. Like those are your problems. So, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I mean, I do. I get. I get a little frustrated, if you can't tell. Um, because yeah, I feel like I'm constantly trying to be like, constantly trying to tell white people like, what are you doing? Like this is not your job and this is not a priority, right? Like, your job is talking to you, to collecting your people, right? Like, you don't need yeah. to be collecting my people. I can do that. Um, but, and then it's like, well, I'm too afraid to say something to my racist uncle at Thanksgiving. Okay, well, then you really don't need to be online telling Black people how to act. Like, get the hell out. Um, so, yeah, I think that there is, like, there's lots of work on the ground to be done. Like Like, hiding out on social media and, like, yelling at Black conservatives is not, isn't doing the work and you don't get to pat yourself on the back for it. (laughs) Um, But I also think that like white folks, like you, you have privilege that you can use, like Mm -hmm. on behalf of these causes that you ostensibly care about that you claim to care about. Right. Um, And like privilege is a thing that like has to be spent if you are going to use it, um, which means you will have less uh, if you're actually if that's what you're actually choosing to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that there are, there are so many like white folks who have good intentions and like Mm. no information, (laughs) no idea where to start. Right. And so it's just like, well, I'm just going to do whatever it is that I'm seeing. And again, it's like, well, you're, you're seeing, you're seeing us, right? And you're because you've been coded to see us, you've been coded to see every single time we like slip up or make any kind of mistake, right? And then there's like this little internal alarm system that you have in your nervous system. It's like, oh my God, I need to fix this right now. Like, that's my job, right? Like, it's their bat signal is like black people fucking up. I'm sorry for swearing. Um, and yeah, it's like there's so many, there's so many like better things that you can be doing with your time um and it doesn't even have to be political right like I know that there are are white folks who are really you know and there there's a lot of thoughts on this but um I like every single election year I tell I tell white folks I'm like you do not get to tell black and indigenous people that we have to vote there's not a call that you get to make um like especially considering the fact that like you or like your parents can go and sit down with pretty much any politician in this state. Like you do not get to tell us yeah. what you know that we have to vote for these people whose policies are putting our lives at risk. Right. Um so it's like please, please use your time and your privilege in, in ways that actually matter and like we can we can we can collect the, the special folks out there who need, <laughs> who need some extra attention. No, I'll
2: add to that that one of the elements of black conservatism is is that the Democrats have not delivered. And so mm-hmm. if you're sitting there going like I'm really concerned about this, what I would say to you is is like reach out to people and say what are the issues that you're concerned about? What are the issues that are important to you? What are the issues that would bring material improvement to your life? And right. then use your privilege and power to advocate for those things. And mm-hmm. what that takes is being willing to listen to the community. And that's one thing I can say is that like oftentimes the left establishment and Democrats don't listen to the community.
1: So, right. 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 Yeah. I think
2: I want to leave it there. Uh, Tori, if people want to follow you on the socials, where can they look?
1: Uh, yeah. So um, I'm on Twitter frequently, too much. Uh, my handle's at Tori Glass. Um, and I'm on Instagram at White Homework, which is a little like anti-racism curriculum that I put together because I had all these white people asking me like, what am I supposed to do about racism? I was like, well, you're in my Twitter DMs. Like, I don't know you. I can't, I can't tell you that. Um, So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to pull these like resources together. And like, you can go and you can do your own work. Um, And yeah, if you want to connect further or work with me, um, my website's toryglass.com. It's pretty straightforward.
2: All right. Thank you for making time for this conversation. And we've been saying this for like half a decade, but like Mm -hmm. let's brunch the summer. (gasps)
1: Yes. I'm so excited. (laughs)
2: Wakanda forever, y'all. Go out and get a booster if you're eligible. It offers protection to you and to your loved ones. Convict the police that killed
0: Manuel Ellis. Go Sounders and the TimberSuck. Channel 253 is supported by Microsoft. Microsoft is committed to civic conversations like those on Channel 253 that inform and empower Washington communities. To learn more, visit aka.ms Microsoft in Washington.
2: And I'm so old yeah. I would go there when you could smoke cigarettes inside.
1: Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
0: Nerd Farmer is part of the Channel 253 podcast network. Check out our other shows. Interchangeable White Ladies, Give Me the Mic, We Art Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B Team, Crossing Division, Citizen Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.